Hi, everyone. This is Eileen. On this podcast, I talk with Jack Leonard, Downstreet Senior Maintenance Technician. Jack shares the joy he feels working with old buildings and his passion for helping our amazing residents. I hope you enjoy the podcast and thanks for listening. Welcome to Community Pulse. I'm Eileen Peltier, Executive Director at Downstreet Housing and Community Development. Today, I welcome Jack Leonard, Senior Maintenance Technician at Downstreet. Jack, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, I'm pleased to. So, Jack, let's start uh, just with a little bit about getting to know you. Um, just kind of give us a little bit of your background, of your resume, and your current role at Downstreet. I've been with Downstreet 14 years. I'm a people person, okay? And so I've had a number of jobs over my lifetime, uh, self-employed, salesman, service manager, business owner, and it came down to, I'm always willing to please and make people happy in whatever profession I've done. Um, I've always enjoyed that, getting pleasure from seeing people happy again and making their day or stopping by and saying hi and making their day. And, you know, that's me. You know, I, I, I jack of all trades, Mr. Fix-It. That's what I, I like about this job at Downstreet. You know, I was elated when I was asked to come on temporary and that was to tear apart a house trailer and stuff it in a roll-off dumpster. And before we got done the job, um, I was asked for my resume and that's where it started. And 14 years ago, Downstreet, which was known as Central Vermont Community Land Trust, was in its development. Um, and over the years, there's been a lot of changes, a lot of properties, a lot of good changes as far as streamlining our efforts and, you know, making this a, a workable company. I've always enjoyed this job. I, I look forward every morning. I get up and go to my job. And I'm, I look forward to that. You know, and I can't say that about any other jobs that I've had, you know, but this one I do. I, I can't wait to get out the door and hit the road, go see my clients, my, my tenants, you know, talk to my boss and my coworkers. And... Well, that's great to hear, Jack. Thanks for, for sharing that story. And you already answered my next question, which is, you know, what gets you out of bed in the morning? And it's it's the people that we work with. Um, I'm wondering if you have a personal story that, Explain sort of your interest in helping people or where that where that kind of comes from. My wife and I have uh, been married 39 years. Ten years into it, we found out that we couldn't have children. We started up in foster care, which we did for 27 years. And your, your heart explodes with some of these young kids that come into your home. To make them family and make them wanted and, and loved. And, and I think that's just is kind of my bones, even growing up as a kid, you know, the animals, um, my next door neighbors, you know, I was always willing to help and gel with people, you know, and, and I don't dwell on the negative. You know, I, I walk into apartments and the place is trash and they say, excuse the mess. I'm like, I'm not here for the mess. I'm here to fix you up. You know, and the conversation gets going. It's, um, I just feel like I have a gift to be able to talk with people and, and not analyze them for what they are or what's going on. You know, I guess sometimes I'm a counselor in a sense. They like to be heard, you know, and either good or bad, you know, let them spell it out, maybe give a comment, but you know, it's, 
It's all about taking care of people. It's engraved in my my bones. It is in your bones. Um, and it's interesting that you mentioned the counselor term. So you know the story. So when we started SASH, Support and Services at Home, many years ago, I was always thinking about you, Jack, when I would tell this story of, you know, our um, maintenance techs are our social workers um, and that that wasn't enough, but that was the beginning. You're the one who showed me that that need was there and that because you had the opportunity and the access in the home to our residents um, and your just natural way of being, you know, you were really our first sash person at Downstreet and that, you know, much of that program evolved from that. So can you share a story that kind of describes that, um, you know, how you worked with somebody? I can think of a few examples of, of residents you worked with for a long time, no names, but just a story of, you know, how you've worked with the resident and supported. Uh, I had one uh, that I befriended um, in the Montpelier area and um, she's been a lifetime resident with us, you know, I was working on 33, 34 years. And I, I walked into her just kind of stuck in this little rut of doing the same thing every day. And so we decided it was time to do a little bit of painting and doing a little bit of house cleaning and started helping her clear out some stuff. And I'm telling you, she became my best friend. And I learned something very important about this lady that nobody ever knew. She graduated from Harvard, top of her class, very educated, accomplished poet, published three poems, and she worked at GE. She had such a life going for her, and she got off on the wrong, wrong track. And, you know, there she was, you know, kind of stuck in the system and, you know, wasn't doing very well. And so I came along and, and you know, got her energized again and she actually moved to a different apartment the one that she was in for years unfortunately now she's she's in a nursing home which is you know where she needs to be somebody take care of her a little bit you know just to be a part of her life and get that flower opened up again and she and i heard more stories from her i pop in to have a cup of coffee with her and listen to her for 10 15 minutes and she went off on some story and it's like wow you know, she, she's been around. She's done a lot of stuff. You know, and, um, she's very special to me, and she is to this day. You know, I'll, I'll hear from her at least once a week. You know, she calls me from the nursing home. So, you know, um, I wish it wasn't for the pandemic because we've had her over at our house for uh, Thanksgiving a couple of times. And that was such an outing for her, and she just enjoyed it. And she thinks the world of my family. You know, where you open up your arms and you uh, you know, you can dig in a little bit without prying into their life. And all of a sudden, out it comes. You know, it's amazing. Thanks. That's such a great story. I had the privilege of going to her apartment with you many years ago. I don't know if you remember, but we went and got a tour. It was when you were doing that that painting and some of the upgrades and stuff. And uh, yeah, then an incredible journey with her. And you were really the one who first made that connection. Um, so just to turn a little bit to the the building side of things. So you are a little bit famous for your passion for some of these old buildings um, that Downstreet has. And, you know, we, we have quite a few uh, historic buildings. And I'm wondering if you can 
um, talk a little bit where about what that passion's about. What do you love about these? I believe you call them the old girls. Um, <laughs> and what makes that your work interesting to be responsible for caring for them? All these old buildings have their own little quirks, all their own little things that are going on, and you you get to learn them over the years. The the oldest building that we have is in Waterbury Center, and it's one of my favorites. And when I first discovered this, it was like, it was, you know, keeping in line with historical. I get up in the attic, and this used to be a school. I mean, it's been a lot of different things over the years, but it was a school at one time. And up in the attic, all these initials of uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, Hyrex, and Errol's room. But what got me was some of the dates. We're looking at 1883, 1894, you know, a lot of that. You know, so that was something that was left there, and it is special. Uh, and that building sits there true and heavy, you know, and, and it's a beautiful building. And we, we have other buildings that are the same way that have since then gone through a renovation. You know, those buildings went along for years, and, you know, they all had their own little quirks. And, and you know, we've remodeled and, and given them a facelift. But you know what? That building still has those little quirks and it still has those little nicks and names. For me, I take ownership on a building. When I start taking care of buildings, I, I feel like this is my building and I want to know what makes it tick. And we do. You know, we, we kind of get into the bowels of the, these buildings and we understand what makes them tick. And they all have a little something that makes them tick a little bit different. That's what's enjoying me about coming to my job. You know, it's like I'm going to go out and Take care of my property today. You know, that's, you know, that's what I look forward to. You know, it's interesting. I was, was listening to you and thinking, you know, when you were talking about um, working with residents and, you know, you come at, at a relationship from such a place of non-judgment, which is such a wonderful thing today in this world where there's a lot of judgment happening. Um, but I was actually just thinking you sort of apply that same lens to buildings because, there are other people who in your field who really do not enjoy working with old historic buildings because they are challenging. I mean, you call them sort of their special little quirks, but you know, a lot of it is in how you sort of come to the work. And if you come to this place of I'm having an impact, I'm uh, you know, I'm doing some good work, I'm uh not gonna judge what the backstory is behind anybody, and I'm just here to support, your day goes well. And generally you know, Jack, I think you're able to make your days go well, even though you deal with a lot of interesting, challenging things that you have to do day in and day out. So at Down Street, you know, Jack, that we often are heard to say everyone deserves a home and there's power in community. I'm wondering if you have sort of any personal thoughts about what that means to you and how you think about that expression. Everyone does deserve a home. Nobody deserves to have to live on the streets and go rough it and, and be on the, the bottom line of everything. It's a hard area to get into because what needs to be done is encourage them, help them, see what they can do for getting a home, but also, you know, support them to get them to get back into living in a home. And, um, you know, there's a lot of homeless people out there today. And, you know, you look at them and, and some of them, you know, they look okay, they look happy. But then you can see the few that aren't. And, you know, that's, you wonder, you know, what's going on there? You know, I mean, it's like, 
that simple little conversation, you know, you could you can learn a lot, you know, just by listening to what all of a sudden evolves. I, I think it's real hard for young couples to get going, and especially if they got you know one, two, or three kids, you know, it, it's a tough road. Um, it's challenging for them, um, and to become a mom and dad and be responsible. You know, there, there's a lot to it. And when they're not quite ready to be mom and dad, you know, it's like, you know, once again, you know, we need to hear what's going on. And, and when you do, you know, somehow, you know, there's, there's services out there, you know, introduce them to them, get them some help, you know, and then the, their struggle is less than what it was. So true. Um, so, Jack, you're you're an observer of people and communities, and we are living in some pretty crazy times. And I'm wondering if there are things uh, happening in your community that you think um, we need to support more, that there are, you know, I know you live in, in Northfield. Are there opportunities there to support people? Are you seeing people struggling more um, with food? I mean, obviously you're more aware of, of the housing side of things from your day to day, but just wondering what your observations are and thoughts on on how we've done so far as a community related to COVID. Northfield as a whole, they do quite well. They have some different programs over there um, that are working. They get the food shelf and, and some other supports. I just don't know if access to some of these services is as available as it should be. And I think it's more that some of these people just don't know that these services are available. And how, how do you educate them? How do you let them know? You know, unless you're walking in the doors to them and going to their apartment or whatever for a work order, you, you don't know. You know, once again, we're back to that little quick conversation opens up what's going on. Uh, I, I think a lot of communities are struggling right now and they're trying to do the best they can, you know, for supporting people, you know, as far as helping them pay bills and, and this pandemic has been, it's rattling. It's mind rattling. It eats on you, you know, I'm not firing out all cylinders myself. You know, um, I'm not doing what I usually do. Uh, I'm not seeing my tenants. You know, I'm doing outside work or being very cautious about which ones I'm going to. And, you know, my wife has to stay home. Yeah, I think she's been out twice since last spring uh, for a ride, if that. But she takes care of a girl that is wheelchair bound. And, you know, we're very cautious. So I'm the one that goes to the store. I'm the one that does all the errands and I get my boys to school and all that. You know, it's those type of supports uh, that you need to look at with some of these young parents because they're now having to handle these kids in their own home, teaching them, and they're not used to that. I mean, I, I talk to some of them and they're pulling their hair out. You know, it's driving them crazy. So how, how can we support that? You know, it's, and it's gonna come again. I do truly believe in another week or so we're going to shut down. We're going to be all done. Schools are going to be back to remote. We have a 13, a 14-year-old in our home. I get two uh, teenage boys. One of the 17-year-old has no problem being in front of that TV or the Zoom, and they're doing their thing. The 14-year-old, oh boy, you know he's he has a hard time with it, and he, you know he fell through the cracks last fall. 
past spring when all of that came down. And he has to be in person. It's trying times. It's, and it's challenging. It's very challenging. You know, when you start locking down a couple of teenage boys, I'll tell you what, you got to start doing some projects around the property. <laughs> well, it's good they've got a dad who uh, knows how to assign a project and supervise oh, yeah. a project. We've been known to take down a few trees. So, Jack, thank you so much for just being honest about what COVID looks like for people um, and the fact that you're not operating on all cylinders. None of us are. Um, but we are kind of, you know, proud and stubborn Vermonters, and we all tend to say, we can do this, we can do this. And uh, I mean, we can do it and we'll get through it, but it doesn't mean that it's not hard and that we don't need support. And the traditional ways of supporting each other are not really available to us. So yeah, finding creative ways in community to connect with people is truly, really important right now. You know, even, even the tenants, you know, and you're, the tenants, most of the tenants I've run across are, are pretty good about the mask, stepping out or going to a different room. You know, we're we're all getting used to it, but it's 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 hard to adjust to that. Right. And I think, you know, it's hard to know where things are gonna go in the future. I think we are certainly on an upward trajectory right now. Um and the hope is, as you talked about, that we can find a way to keep these kids in the schools and listen to what the governor's saying and hunker down um, as hard as it is. But that is what we all need to do. And it's hard on parents of teenagers, too, because that this is the stage where the teenager wants to be away from the parents. And right. that exactly. opportunity is not there right now. So, Jack, I want to uh, give you the opportunity to answer this last question. It's kind of a fun one. If Jack Leonard was given a million dollars, not downstreet, just you, Jack, to help your community, what would you do with it? Well, um, personally, I, I think a, a rec center or a, a huge community center would be more like that, you know, where we can do some sports, have a gathering. Why not have a place that, you know, as a community and the community involvement, be able to all meet and have functions and neither be sports or just a big giant, you know, town wide picnic, you know, anything like that to keep the community involved with each other and working with the local officials, you know, the selectmen, the policemen, you know, the EMTs, you know, they're, they're all willing to volunteer to get into this. That's part of their nature is to get involved. But, you know, somebody's got to build the wheel and put some oil on it and get going with that. If I had a million dollars, that's where I would start. You know, um, Northfield years ago used to be a nice little town with a lot of little independent shops, uh, clothing stores. I mean, I can remember all my parents doing all the shopping right in town. Um, grocery stores. There are family grocery stores. Uh, no longer. You know, we got one main grocery store, a couple hardware stores, you know, a um, couple specialty restaurants. That's it. Um, that sense of community, I think, has slipped away. You know, they go out of town to be community. Yeah, well, I I think that's a great idea. Um, you know, there is... Um, a model coming out of Iceland that actually they invested, they studied why so many of their young people were struggling with substance use disorder. And what they identified is that they didn't have 
connections, social connections, and that they wanted to keep the kids busy in what's called the third space, which is sort of after school. Um, and you know, you got two, a 14 and seven year old boy, you know what that's like. And what, where they landed was to build exactly that rec type centers, places like that, where people can come together in community. And, and if I had my way, they would come together with, uh, your passion and heart and non-judgmental and willingness to just dive right in and start the conversation approach. And I think that would be an amazing thing for our communities. Yeah. Thank you. So thank you, Jack. It's been great to have you. You're listening to Eileen Peltier from Downstreet Housing and Community Development. This is Community Pulse. Have a great day.